Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Monday, June 10th, 2019. I'm Shannon, and I am here with not only your guide to the new releases coming out the week of June 11th, but also with an author interview. So you'll hear the interview first, and then we will move on to the new books. So last week, I had the pleasure of sitting down with British author Jane Green, who has written a number of women's fiction and romance titles, and she was very happy to talk about her latest novel, which is The Friends We Keep, which came out on June 4th. So in just a moment, I will let you hear this interview, and then we'll talk about new books. But before we talk about any of that, here is the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, you can like and or follow the page You can also join our Facebook listener group where you can hang out and chat with us as well as with other listeners of the podcast. We would definitely love to have you there if you're interested in talking about all things book-related. If you prefer Twitter to Facebook, we now have a Twitter profile, and that is at bistro underscore book. So definitely feel free to reach out to us over there if you are a Twitter fan. And if you would just prefer to send us an email, you can do that as well. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. All right. So now here is the interview that I did with author Jane Green here on Book Bistro. Welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. I'm Shannon, and I am joined today by New York Times bestselling author Jane Green, who has currently over 10 million copies of her books in print. Her latest novel, The Friends We Keep, was released on June 4th. So, Jane, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am delighted to be talking to you this morning. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. So can we start out by giving our listeners a bit of an introduction to The Friends We Keep? Yeah. So The Friends We Keep is the story of three people, Evie, Maggie and Topher, who all find themselves at a university in the United Kingdom in the 1980s. And they're all misfits in their own way and they find each other and and have this extraordinary friendship where they vow to be friends forever. Nothing will ever get in the way. Um, And uh, of course, once they graduate, two of them come back to America. One of them stays in the UK, but there's that lovely John Lennon quote that life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And (laughs) none of their lives quite go in the way that they anticipate. And not least because one of them is harboring a deep, dark secret from the past, and she's terrified the others will find out. And so she really distances herself from them. And before you know it, 30 years has gone by, and we follow their lives throughout those years. And they meet again 
at their 30th college reunion. And within minutes, it's as if no time has passed at all. And by the end of the night, they're jokingly talking about a, a fantasy of living together again. And then they realize very quickly that there's actually no reason why they don't do that. That in fact, they're all fairly lonely and isolated. Nothing would be more wonderful than living together. And so they end up doing that. And of course, the secret is still there. And we know that the secret has to come out. And the question is, how much will it derail all their lives once it does? So as I read this novel in preparation for the interview, I was struck by the level of vibrancy that certain scenes had, especially the ones that took place at university. Um, did you pull from your own university experiences when you I, were writing those parts? I did. I mean, the truth is, you know, as writers, we're, we're terrible magpies and we mine our own lives and the lives of everyone we know. Um, but I realized I hadn't I hadn't really drawn upon those those years. And so I did. I went back to my university days and it was lovely. It was just this burst of nostalgia. Um, and it felt very vibrant while I was writing it. I have to say the book was this book. I did a number of, of big rewrites on this book. But the one section that didn't really need rewriting was the university section. So thank you for noticing that. They were actually um, some of my favorite scenes of the novel, just because there was like an extra layer of vivid detail that was just so obvious as, as I read. Oh, I'm so glad. Another thing that struck me um, as I read was that the prologue is the one and only time we see things through a certain character's eyes. And so I'm yeah. wondering what prompted you to decide to start the book out in that way? You know, the, my first iteration didn't have that at all. We went straight into into the arrival at university. But I think I felt, and, and the character is Ben, and and I think I felt that we, I I I wanted to, I wanted to hear from Ben, um, and I I. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't quite remember, but I remember thinking I want to hear from Ben. And I also felt that it was quite unusual to open a book in that way. And I, I wanted to play with that a little bit and see see if I could make that work. So so we do. The very the prologue is is told is Ben's side of the story briefly. Yes. And then I kept kind of waiting to see, like, would he come back and tell us, you know, something else? And then obviously he doesn't. Yeah. But I was, you know, kind of wondering, like, what, what would happen? Um, another thing that sets this novel apart from other kind of friendship novels is your decision to create this relationship between two women and a man, as opposed to, like, you know, three women or two women or four. Um, and I really liked that you decided to put him into the mix. Um, Topher's point of view was... I think very, very stark when set against that of Maggie or Evie. Um, what made you decide not to write about just a group of women, but to incorporate kind of the male perspective? 
Well, I, I, I mean, I, the last book that I wrote was The Sunshine Sisters. And The Sunshine mm-hmm. Sisters was the story of, of uh, an aging actress who is diagnosed with a terminal disease. And she, her name is Ronnie Sunshine. And she was a terrible mother, very narcissistic and self-absorbed. And her children grow up not only estranged from her, but also estranged from each other. And her children are three girls. And... I just, I felt that I had really explored the dynamic of three adult women. And I think that that women friends do feel like sisters. I mean, you they become family of choice. And it's so, true. Yeah. So I, I, I felt that I had done that dynamic and that it would add a, another layer and a different kind of texture to have um, a man be the third wheel. Um, and I love that when we meet Topher, he's struggling with his sexuality. He's actually really turned it off. He's decided that he's asexual. And then he realizes by the end of their time at university that he is gay. But of course, his own past stops him from really ever being able to be fully intimate with someone. Um, mm-hmm. And I love his journey that we we follow him through the years and, and see at the end it's not that he has a happy ending so much as we see the possibility of a happy ending for him. And I like the the theme of possibility throughout the novel. Like when it starts out, they all have this kind of endless list of possibilities in front of them. And then we see some of those kind of go away over time, but there's always that hint of, you know, something, something new, something brighter kind of on the horizon. And I really enjoyed that about the friends we keep. Well, well, good. Thank you. I, I, I think, um, yeah, they, that what's so interesting to me about life today is with social media and particularly Instagram, the more visual um, aspects of social media, we, we all think that everybody's living a better life than we are and that everybody's life is perfect. But one of the great things about reaching middle age is you know that you don't get to reach middle age without having real hardships. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who hasn't had a hardship of some kind, whether it's illness or financial fear or aging parents or uh, their life is is hard. And I think we all need to know that it's cyclical and that there are always good things in our future. However hard it may feel at the time, life is cyclical and, and it is filled with ups and downs. And I wanted to, to constantly have things for my characters to, to look forward to. So was there a character that you found particularly challenging to write or did they all come pretty easily to you? I think, I think Maggie was actually the hardest one. And I, I think perhaps because Maggie um, really does have have the easiest life and the easiest background. She doesn't have an easy marriage, um, but I, I think her path, it, it, it wasn't so easy for me to get a handle on her. It took a few goes for me to to get a handle on, on her. I think my first iteration, she was, she was fairly bland. Um, and I... I think I still think she's not as exciting or as vibrant as the other two characters, but I, I definitely think that she she is a real person and she stands on her own two feet. 
Yeah. She definitely does that. So can we talk about just kind of your writing in general? You've written like 20 novels, I think now. Yes. And yeah. I'm wondering if you have noticed any changes in your writing from like your early books to now. Are there things that you do differently? Oh. Um, things oh. that you wish you could have done sooner? Yes. Well, gosh, so many changes. First of all, I really wish that I could go back and and rewrite some of my earlier books with the wisdom and perspective that I have now. So I, I think my early novels, you know, I was a young single woman living in London and most of my novels were they featured young single women in the beginning living in, in London and then and then Connecticut. Um, and they followed they they charted the course of my life through marriage and motherhood and, and friendships and um I think my voice has changed. I think that I am much less judgmental now, um, much more accepting and forgiving of people. And I think that comes across in my writing. And my process has changed, actually. It, it, it has changed. I'm writing my 21st novel now. And um, interestingly, I'm writing it in, in much the way I wrote one other novel, which was a novel called Jemima J, which I think remains my biggest selling novel in this country. And when I wrote Jemima J, I flew over to L.A. to research and write it. And of course, the minute I got to L.A., my computer broke. And oh. that was 22 years ago. So back in those days, to get a computer fixed was a really long and arduous process. And so I found myself in L.A. with no computer. So I, I bought a series of notebooks and I used to go and sit in delis and coffee shops and I would outline every chapter of the book. So when I came back to London with a fixed computer, it was like it was like writing by numbers because I had the whole book mapped out. And interestingly, for many years, I, I had a rough idea of the theme and the message and the arc of the book. But I never went into too much detail because I always believed that if I drew my characters correctly, they would tell their own story, which which is absolutely true. And they did. But I have a new agent now who is, as well as being an agent, he's also a screenwriter. And um, he helped storyline and he made me do a 20 page treatment for this book. So before I even started writing, I wrote this tremendous document that literally takes you through the book scene by scene. Um, and so I, my writing is... Um, well, it, it, it's I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I've, I'd forgotten how joyous it is to write a book when you have an outline. The other thing is that my children are now the youngest of my children, and we have six children. The youngest are 16. I have twin boys who are high school juniors, and they don't need me in the same way. So for years and years, I wrote in the mornings, and then I'd be done by lunchtime and then back to being mum for the rest of the day. And now I tend to write all day and I think my writing is improving. It, it, it's a very, the book I'm writing now, my 21st novel, is a completely different sort of book. And I think it's because I'm, I'm able to spend proper time on it. 
Can you share anything with us about what you're currently working on? Yes, um, it's very different for me. I'm. It's all set in uh, Silicon Valley and Palo Alto, and it's the story of a 29-year-old daughter of a Steve Jobs-like tech tycoon who has spent her life vying for her father's love and respect and attention, um, and then... Um, realizes she has to sort of sweep in to save the company once he dies and uh and it's really that it's really female empowerment and and I'm loving this book which is extraordinary actually to be loving my writing the writing of my 21st novel as much as I as I loved writing my first I think that's really amazing and a testament to just how much your career has worked in your favor. You know, I think not everybody can do a job for so many years and still love it. Yeah. And and I have to say, not, not all books are equal. And I certainly haven't loved the process of writing all of my books. And so when, when you reach a book and it it becomes wonderful again, you know, you're, you're onto something good. Do you have a favorite novel that you've written? have a few favorites it's really really hard to pick one um i i loved jemima j for her sweetness i loved the beach house because oh, the i beach house. yeah the beach house i i had come beach out beach house of, is my favorite oh thank you well i the beach house is the it really it's been one of my favorites for years because it was the first time i just met my husband and I'd come out of a marriage that wasn't a happy marriage for me and and I met this wonderful man who introduced me to the island of Nantucket which is where the beach house is set yeah and it was really the first time where I felt that I understood what a happy ending might look like and so that will always be very special for me I loved writing the beach house but I have to say I also really enjoyed the sunshine sisters so it's it's hard for me to pick one yeah I can see that I think you know just like all facets of life different things appeal to us at different times for different reasons yeah and I would say that makes a lot of sense so when you're not writing are you much of a reader I am a huge reader, yes, although I will say I've been slightly distracted of late by a couple of of Netflix um, shows, which I'm... Oh, Netflix. Yes, slightly ashamed. Actually, this wasn't Netflix. This was HBO. It was Amazon Prime. I I found myself completely addicted to a show called Fleabag, which I loved, and it's... (laughs) written by the girl who wrote written and she also she wrote this and stars in it um in Fleabag but she also wrote Killing Eve which I know lots and lots of people are watching and loving and talking about but um when I'm not derailed by Amazon Prime or Netflix um I'm a huge reader and my goodness there are some amazing books out this summer have you read and loved anything that you would like to recommend? Yes, yes. I, um, I. There's a book called Marcy Deman- uh, called Very Nice by Marcy Demansky, and if anyone read and loved Where'd You Go, Bernadette by Maria Semple, it's a very similar book. It's quirky, it's funny, it's dark, and and 
kind of ridiculous but really lovely it's like looking at your perfect suburban life through a completely kooky twisted lens um and i loved it um i also elizabeth gilbert has a new book out she wrote um eat pray love and she has a novel called city of girls Patty Callahan Henry is oh, a yes. wonderful, wonderful Southern writer. And her new book is The Favourite Daughter, which came out yesterday. We share a book birthday. I think so, you do with Elizabeth Gilbert as well. And Elizabeth Gilbert. That's right. Yes. So, so that is another wonderful book. Um, then there is, goodness, I could go on and on. There's a, there's a fiction book called um, Three Women that comes out later this month, which is fascinating by Lisa Tadeo and Lisa spent 10 years with three women talking to them and interviewing them about their well their sexual identity and their sexual lives and desire and and one of the women is in a in a loveless marriage and having an affair um another woman as a 16 year old found herself in a relationship with her school teacher um and yet another one is is um in a I'm not sure how you describe it, but her husband likes to watch her with other people. And but it's a fascinating, fascinating book and very novelistic. And I could not push it down. So that's Three Women by Lisa Tadeo. So some really lovely books out. Yes. And not all lovely. Some of them are just fascinating. Summer is a remarkable time for books, I think. Yes. Yes, so it before is. I let you dash off to your next interview, which I'm sure you have, can you tell listeners how they can find you online? So um, that they, you will find me at janegreen.com. You will also find me on Facebook, but the best place to find me is Instagram. And I, I believe I'm Jane Green author on Instagram, but I have to say Instagram is where I have the most fun, particularly with the stories, where that's where you'll see the real me. It's not my perfect curated Instagram life. It's me often first thing in the morning looking terrible, having fun. <laughs> so, um, so I really enjoy Instagram. Well, excellent. And I once again want to encourage listeners to pick up a copy of The Things We Keep, or The Friends We Keep, I'm sorry, I'm getting your book title confused. That's okay. (laughs) But this is The Friends We Keep, and it is a fascinating look at friendship and secrets. And like I said, it was released on June 4th. Jane, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me this morning. It has been a pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And I wish you the best of luck with your new novel. I'm hoping to um, see it soon. Oh, me too. Me too. Yes, I bet. All right. Well, good luck. And again, thank you so much. Thank you and have a wonderful day. You too. I hope that all of you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. Again, I want to thank Jane for chatting with me about her new book and about her writing in general. It was definitely a lovely chat. And now let's talk about new books. So first up, 
are a number of books that have been mentioned in previous episodes, so we'll go through those first. First up is Mrs. Everything by Jennifer Weiner. I read an early copy of this and I loved it so, so incredibly much. It is a historical novel that traces the lives of two sisters from the 1950s to the present day, and it is fantastic. Stacy talked about it on our Most Anticipated Books of 2019 episode, so you can definitely hear more about it there, but definitely pick it up as soon as you can. It is Mrs. Everything by Jennifer Weiner. Now, moving through to books that were talked about on our Most Anticipated Books of June, we have Time After Time by Lisa Grunewald. This is a romance with an emphasis on time travel, supposedly perfect for fans of The Time Traveler's Wife. I didn't care for The Time Traveler's Wife, but I'm hoping to love this one a lot more. Next is Storm and Fury by Jennifer L. Armentrout. This is the first book in a young adult fantasy series called Harbinger. And it appears to be a spin-off from her Dark Elements series, which is also YA fantasy. And Brooke is super excited about a couple of books that are coming out this week. The First Mistake by Sandy Jones and Bone Deep by Sandra Ireland. These are both um, psychological thrillers, one about sisters, one about best friends. So definitely check those out. And again, you can hear more about them on our most anticipated books of June episode. So now for books that have not been mentioned. So this first book is by an author that I've been intrigued by for quite a long time, but I've never actually read one of her books and I don't have a good reason why I haven't. I just haven't. So this is The Starter Wife by Nina Lauren. I believe this is her third or possibly her fourth novel, but it's the story of a woman who receives a phone call from a stranger who claims to be her husband's first wife. The problem is her husband's first wife is presumed dead. So if she's dead, how is she calling on the phone? So this again is The Starter Wife and it is by Nina Lauren. Next up is The Language of Fire. This is a verse novel by Stephanie Hemphill, and it reimagines the life of Joan of Arc. I am super excited about this. I have wanted a good Joan of Arc story for quite a long time. I know there's one called An Army of Angels that looks really, really good, very long, but I just haven't read it yet. Um, but this one I'm also very excited about. So this again is The Language of Fire, and it is by Stephanie Hemphill. I have never read a Susan Mallory novel. Um, I know that Natalia really enjoys her stuff. So I wanted to mention The Summer of Sunshine and Margot by Susan Mallory. And this is the story of sisters who apparently are named Sunshine and Margot. And they have decided that they're going to find love despite their family history of kind of being very unlucky in love. So um, if you like lighthearted contemporary romance, you might want to check this out. This again is The Summer of Sunshine and Margot by Susan Mallory. 
Uh, Carrie Arthur is coming out with a new book. She is an author that I love. She writes phenomenal urban fantasy slash paranormal romance. So this is Burn, and it is the third book in her Kingdoms of Earth and Air series. How about an apocalyptic novel? This is The Armageddon Girls, The Juniper Wars, book one, and it's by Aaron Michael Ritchie. It's a futuristic novel that's set during an apocalypse. And it's about three sisters who apparently find a boy and kind of take him under their wing. He has a key role to play in this apocalypse. And so they're trying to figure out kind of what that is. Is he someone that they can afford to keep around or do they need to kind of stay clear of him? So this once again is the Armageddon Girls, Juniper Wars, book one by Aaron Michael Ritchie. So let's change things up a little bit. No more zombies, apocalypse, anything like that. This is tiny. And the author is Kim Hooper. It's the story of three people who are tied together by the tragic death of a three-year-old girl. One of these people is the girl's mother. One is the man who killed her. And I believe the third one might be her father, but I'm not positive about that. The synopsis wasn't clear. So this looks like a very intense read, um, one that promises to be full of all kinds of emotions. So this again is Tiny, and it's by Kim Hooper. Next up is One Minute Later by Susan Lewis. And I have read a couple of Lewis's previous novels and have enjoyed them quite a bit. So One Minute Later is the story of a woman who is returning home to be cared for by her mother after she's diagnosed with some sort of a heart condition. But while she's there, she finds love and also uncovers some dark family secrets. This is One Minute Later by Susan Lewis. I'm very, very excited to talk about this next book. This is The Good Sister by Gillian McAllister. This was published originally in the UK as No Further Questions, and it is out this week. It is a psychological thriller about two sisters, one of whom has been charged with killing her sister's child. This is totally gripping. I loved it so much. And it again is The Good Sister by Gillian McAllister. Next up is Those People. And this is the second novel by British novelist Louise Candlish. This takes place in a neighborhood where everyone seems to get along really well. All the kids play together. It's just this like idyllic suburb, suburban neighborhood. But then some kind of yucky people move in and things become very chaotic. This once again is Those People, and the author is Louise Candlish. She also wrote um, a really stellar novel called Our House, which came out last year, and I thought that it was absolutely fantastic. All right, so we are stepping away from thrillers for a moment. This is Home by Lisa Duffy. She is pretty well known for her novel, The Salt House. But this is her latest, and it's the story of a teenage girl and a military wife who together are trying to understand the meaning of home, of true love, 
um, and what it means to be involved with other people in the world. Um, Duffy's writing is, from what I've heard, very evocative, very emotive. So definitely be prepared to feel all kinds of things as you read this. I don't get the impression it's a lighthearted read at all. So this is called This is Home, and the author is Lisa Duffy. How about The Summer Guests by Mary Alice Monroe? I've read a couple of Monroe's novels and really, really love them. She's a Southern writer, and I think she just does a great job of bringing the American South to life. This one is about a group of people who are fleeing from an impending hurricane. They're trying to get to a farm in North Carolina, and apparently this ends up being a lot harder than they expect. Once again, this is called The Summer Guests, and it's by Mary Alice Monroe. This next book really intrigues me. It's out in print this week and also in Kindle. So whether you want a hard copy print or an ebook, you can get it. But if you want to read it as an audiobook, you have to wait until August. So this is They Called Me Wyatt by Natasha Nines. Natasha Tynes, I'm sorry. And this is the story of a young girl who dies. But her body dies, her consciousness survives, and somehow slips inside the body of a baby boy. Um, and so we're watching her kind of struggle to understand her new reality as part of this young boy who isn't able to speak. So this is called They Called Me Wyatt, and the author is Natasha Tynes. And I definitely want to pick up a copy of this. I don't know if I'll get it as an ebook or if I'll wait till August and do the audio. I guess we'll just see how impatient I am to read it. And last up for me today is Call Your Daughter Home. The author is Deb Spera. And this is a historical novel set during the time leading up to the Great Depression. And we follow three irrepressible Southern women. And we learn about their lives, their loves, their struggles, and their triumphs in the time leading up to the Great Depression and then during the 1930s. So again, this is Call Your Daughter Home, and it's by Deb Spera. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode, both the interview and the new books. Um, as always, this is not a comprehensive list by any means. There are so many books out each week, and there's just not a good way for me to talk to you about all of them. So I hope I've managed to pique your interest in at least a few of these. If you are really excited about something that's out this week that I haven't mentioned, definitely reach out and let me know. I'm always happy to know what listeners are reading and loving or looking forward to reading. And let's see, is there anything else for me today? I don't think so. So again, I hope you have a fantastic week. I will be back next Tuesday with more new books as well as with another author interview. If you have something to say, if you'd like to let us know what you think of the show, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you use to access the show. 
And not only does it let us know your thoughts on Book Bistro, but it helps other book lovers find us. And we definitely are looking for more listeners. So you could help us out by doing that. Um, It should only take a few minutes. We would appreciate it. All right, that's it for me. Um, I'll be back, of course, next Tuesday morning with more new release information. And some number of us will be here on Friday with all manner of bookish fabulousness. Take care, everybody.